It's Monday, November the 7th, and we have Angela from Spreja Kachina on. They're opening in the Old Mortons. Scott and I are going to MC Fetch a Cure, and so much more. Welcome to Edith, Virginia. Welcome to Eat It Virginia, your number one podcast source for food news and interviews with the people who make Richmond restaurants great. Follow us on social media at Eat It Virginia and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. My name is Scott Wise and I am joined as always by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. Roby, we are entering my most favorite few months of the year. Really? Yeah. What is that? Because for these few months, we are the same age. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> did you have a good one? I did. Yeah, it was pretty low-key. I actually, it was low-key for me. I did 30, well, 20-plus hours of yoga in Mexico. Yoga in Mexico? That doesn't seem <laughs> low-key. That seems awesome. Oh, yeah. I went, um, went to Puerto Morales, Mexico. With the, so I practiced pretty almost predominantly at a yoga studio here in Richmond called Humble Haven Yoga. They're, yeah, it's like my little sanctuary and they um, hosted a retreat. Margin Camille hosted a retreat. And so I went on that retreat for my birthday. Well, we are now peers for the next few months. As we can talk, you know, as peers, one-on-one, same age, same life experiences. You've been to Mexico, I really haven't. But other than that, I feel like we're on the same level. Yeah, except for somehow you just don't happen to age, and it's very upsetting, and I'm just going to tell you right now that I'm just going to constantly be irritated about that, and it is a fact that you do not age. So yes, we may be the same age, but you still look like you're 19, so it's a little upsetting. We're going to share a stage on Friday night, you and I. Yes, I'm going to share a stage with a 19-year-old. Yes, I know this. Yes, we are. This is the best. This is what I love about Roby. It's like, we won't talk for a couple of days and then I'll get a text and she'd be like, I have an idea or I have a question for you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot respond to this today or tomorrow. I got to wait because I'm not going to like the answer. Tell the well, folks know, what you dragged me into. Okay. So the best thing is I sent you that and you say, no, I am not getting on stage again. <laughs> like, that is your response. <laughs> Which is okay, because you are getting on stage, because we're emceeing the Fetch Cure Gala this year. So, you know, just 500 and some odd of peop- of your closest friends are going to be watching those, you know, those big metal puppies that you see around? That I've seen um, them. I'm, I'm, I'm taking more notice of them now. Yeah, so they have new ones that come out that they parade and people vote, not vote, they, uh, I, you know, raise money. They raise bid. money for they bid. Thank you. Yes, they bid. They bid for them. And so, yeah, we have a silent auction and then another auction. And if you don't come to the Fetch a Cure, you can like be in and vote, do bid dog. It's I'm thinking about the election. So I have vote on my brain. Sorry. Sure, so I, I understand. Vote. Um, but it is bidding on Friday. It's voting on Tuesday. It's bidding on Friday. So, so you're going to give this is my, this might be my first gala ever of any kind. So what what should I wear, Ruby? Should I, is, is it a black tie? Is it, I'm going to wear clothes. <laughs> okay. Is it a black tie? Is it 
So you might actually, I may actually have a portion of your wardrobe. Um, we are so nice to have a buddy give us a necklace from the Gucci oh. House of Gucci movie from Corden's. And so Taylor Corden is going to allow us to wear that around for the a lav auction portion. So you'll have that on. You'll have on a nice pearl necklace from <laughs> House of Gucci. This beautiful, beautiful, large, it's gorgeous, gorgeous, it's, gorgeous. Sounds like it's going to be a night of first for me all around. Oh, you're going to be fine. I think we're going to start it similar to how we start this podcast. So that'll be familiar to you. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to be okay. Um, it's, it's, I don't think it's as big a deal. It's a big deal for fundraising, right? But I don't think we being on stage is a big deal. You've done it before I with have. me more than once. Deep breaths. Don't let me drink too much before we get up there. Oh, yeah, that's probably yeah. a bad idea. Um, um, and that's okay. I'll be next to you sweating. So thank you. Maybe if you drink more. Yeah, just letting you know. Um, also, I am not I mean, I'm not on stage, but I'm hoping you'll join me for not this weekend. But next weekend, I'm going to Celebrity Bake with our friends over at Tablespoons, Tablespoons Bakery, Tablespoons Bakery. You know that I am very bitter that I lost the last time. I've heard the story a few times. Only 20,000. Yes. I'm so extremely bitter about it's it. A, it's a redemption story for you. You're going to come back stronger than ever. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm coming back somehow. <laughs> I'll tell you something. I shouldn't tell you this, but I'll tell you anyway. My buddy Mark Cheatham, who you're up against, texted me for, for tips, for flavor ideas. I said, I couldn't do it, Mark. I know I've known Mark longer than I've known you, but I feel like you and I have a, a stronger working relationship at this point than, than Mark and Mark and I do. So, is it cheating that he texted you for tips? Because he, he like he like used the, used you as an inside man. I think he was trying to get information for you from you. I think it's smart. It's smart of him. He's a smart. He's a smart man. I, it, well, he's going to be a formidable opponent, and I'm really stoked because I'm glad that he's part of it. We also have Kid Ucrop with me, um, Bill Martin, the good good group, uh, Todd Waldo again. He and I. He, I, Katie, and um, Bill are all returning. Mark is new. It's going to be a good time. A good time will be had by all. You mentioned uh, Gucci earlier. You know what rhymes with Gucci? Oh. <laughs> what rhymes with Gucci? Tucci. <laughs> Nicely which is, done. Which is how you got into our interview with Angela at Sprezza. Her restaurant sounds like it's going to be fabulous. Her pop-ups pop sell out all the time. She's opening her Italian restaurant in the old Morton Steakhouse space this month. Hopefully this month. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm very, very stoked. I think that we have no Puglia, Italy, Italian food here in Richmond, or actually maybe even the state of Virginia. And I have never had anything that wasn't delightful by her. So let's hear what she has to say and when they're going to open. I call it the full Tucci. That's what I called it, just so you know. Do you know who Stanley Tucci is? I do. You do? Yeah, he's from like Sex in the City or something, right? Okay, well, yes, that. But also, during the pandemic, I don't know if you Devil Wears Prada? Yes, also mm-hmm. that. During the pandemic, I don't know if you were like me and you like dumped yourself into multiple binge watching things because that's what felt good. Yes, of course. I watched Stanley Tucci travel through Italy and shove his face full of delicious Italian food. And I think he did it partly during the pandemic. People were wearing masks, but that's neither here nor there. 
during that time, like dovetailed, came this pop-up restaurant called Sperezza, in which you could call our guest today or send her a message and say, I would like to order one of everything on the menu. Was the full Tucci on the menu? The full Tucci is what I called it. It's called something else, which we have Angela Petrozelli here to tell us exactly what she calls it. And she is of Sprezza, but I call it the full Tucci. (laughs) So, hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Do you appreciate that name, the full Tucci? (laughs) Oh, I love it. Were you watching him during the pandemic as well? I wasn't. um, But when that happened and Roby messaged me and told me that and she like tagged it as that, I was like, that's amazing. I love Stanley Tucci. He's awesome. He's iconic. (laughs) He is iconic, isn't he? He's super, super fun. And he did a lot with the whole Italy scene. So it makes everybody want to go. So you're full on Italian. 100%, right? No, I'm not. Tell me about how you got into Italian food. Um, My dad is Italian, actually. I got into Italian food because I spent my younger years there, um, and I've been back and forth ever since. Um, And I just, the food is not only something I relate so strongly to, but it's something that I felt was missing here. And so the minute I moved to Richmond, I knew immediately that I could bring what I grew up eating here. All right, so time out. You say Italian food is missing here. That's what you said. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting words in your mouth. When I think of types of cuisine that I grew up with here in Richmond, Italian is always one of the ones that I grew up. I'm not Italian. She's not talking about Maggiano, Scott. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's called the build-up. Yes, Pasta Luna, not a thing. I'm no Stanley Tucci, but I can ask a question. Still still not Pasta Luna. So... I grew up in Richmond, mm-hmm. Italian food, Chinese food, you know, the very basic, you know, those are the food groups, right? So what was, what precisely was Richmond missing in your opinion when it comes to Italian food? Um, I think Richmond was missing, and obviously I say this with so much respect for the Italian food that already exists here, but I think that Richmond was missing authentic Italian food, Italian food that you would find in Italy, Italian food that I grew up eating that my nonna used to make. Um, and when I moved here, obviously Italian food does well everywhere, right? People eat Italian food anywhere in the United States, but, um, the kind of food that I grew up eating and I grew up making, um, wasn't present here. And it was something I missed immediately because my mom cooks every day. Um, so I was like, oh, this is something that I could do. And I hope to show people that side of Italian food that you probably don't find anywhere unless you're actually looking for it. And I haven't found it here. (laughs) So where did you grow up? Well, where did you go? Like your early years, where Mm -hmm. was that in Italy? Um, In a little town outside of Bari in Puglia, um, which is like, it was a little seaside town. So, um, yeah, that's where my family is, my whole family, um, yeah, that's where I grew up. So th- that is a like Puglia is a very is a, is also not that big of a town, no. right? Um, and it, it water is pretty present, so mm-hmm. seafood is a major portion of what your type of Italian food yes. incorporates. Yes. So can you name some of the dishes? Like I think when. when she starts to name some of these things, you're going to stop thinking about spaghetti and meatballs and start... I never stop thinking about spaghetti and meatballs. Wait it out. Wait it Uh. out. Don't don't kill us yet. (laughs) But when she starts to name some of these things, you'll understand what 
you're familiar with and what is unfamiliar to Richmond? Yeah, um, we have a lot of, well, we do a lot of frutti di mare, so basically all seafood. Um, we love like linguine alle vongole or spaghetti alle vongole. Um, we do a lot of cozze, um, which are um, mussels. Um, a lot of octopus, a lot of sea urchin. We eat a lot of sea urchin, which is I'm really excited what about. What does sea urchin taste like? Oh, it's just so, um, it tastes it's so cheesy, but it tastes like the ocean. Like it's just super, it's an acquired taste, I would say. But when you put it in pasta, it's so velvety and so perfect. Like it's just the best thing ever. And you don't find that much like anywhere in the United States. So I'm so excited to do that. That see, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Real briny. Loads of loads mm-hmm. of salinity to sea urchin. Also prepare? tough to clean. Huh? Very spiky. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, you just crack them open. I used to like when I go there and when I lived there when I was little, I used to eat raw seafood like it was a food group. Um and so we eat it raw on top of pasta, or you can mix it in, like toss it in pasta with like olive oil and just a little bit of garlic if you want it. And it's super simple but amazing. Yeah, you I'm telling you, it's it so I find it's one of those very cool for me i love a polarizing food someone either loves and like wants to talk about sea urchin all the time um somebody wants to not eat it at all so think of it as similar to shad it's not the same but similar to the reaction that you would get to shad row which is a big thing here in virginia yes you either love it or get it away like pimento cheese. <laughs> People don't like pimento cheese? Pimentos are a useless, useless pepper. Don't get me started. <laughs> I do not it's understand it. They, they shove them in an olive's booty and then let's let it go. Like, I, no, I can go, I can, I can go down, I, I can go all over. Of a pim, pim, they're like meant to be a, uh, uh, smoked. Do you not put love on, pimento cheese? That's the question. It's cheddar cheese with mayonnaise right, and peppers. On. Moving along. Everyone likes pimento That's what cheese. I'm saying. Everybody yes. loves it. But what it's not it's not cheese. <laughs> My geography of Italy. Let's let's talk about Italy. Mm-hmm. Where is your hometown? It's in the boot. It's in like the heel so of southern Italy. Yeah, super southern. And how does that cause you said it's on the sea, on the ocean, so mm-hmm. it's very seafoody. Yep. Does it is it is your town known for something specific or just in general seafood? Um, it's right outside of body, so like focaccia barese, which is like focaccia that we do in a round pan with like tons of olive oil and tomatoes. Um, panzerotti, which are like little they look like calzones and they're filled with like fresh mozzarella and, and tomato sauce and they're so pillowy. Now like she's speaking light. my language. Yeah, There's we love bread. not as heavy, not as heavy as a calzone you would get no. here. It's much much lighter. Sorry, I'm losing my mic a little bit. Thank you, Scott. Oh, I don't know what you just did, but that was really nice of you. <laughs> now, now I feel better. Yeah, so little pillows of cheese. Yeah, the food is really light, um, as you would expect of food coming from like a seaside. Um, a lot of the food you can eat by the ocean um, and go swimming right after and not feel sick. So not super cheese heavy, um, mostly just seafood and tomatoes and things. And how are you able to translate this very elegant, beautiful, coastal-sounding cuisine to Richmond? How does that happen here? Well, that's the thing. When I did the pop-up, I knew immediately just because, I mean, 
and this is something I struggled with because when I wanted to start my pop-up, I knew I wanted to like have Pugliese food. So I knew I wanted it to be from Puglia because not only is that not something found in Richmond, it's not really found a lot in the United States at all. There's not really a restaurant that's specifically Pugliese. It's just kind of like Italian and then they throw Sicilian on it or they throw um, Neapolitan on it. So I knew Puglia was what I wanted to focus on because that's what I know best. And so I knew the pop-ups because at the beginning when I was doing them, they were um, takeaway only. I felt uncomfortable and also it almost felt wrong and like I was doing something against my culture if I was putting seafood into go containers. Mm. And so I was like, okay, we're going to take food from all over Italy. We're going to show everyone that we can, first of all, that we can cook and that the food is good. And then when I get a brick and mortar, I can show people more of Puglia. So my goal was initially just just cook Italian food. Throw in some things from Puglia that don't involve you, um, like throwing in mussels and clams and octopus and things like that because you don't know how people how far people are driving with the food you don't know what temperature it's going to get at home you don't know the texture of the seafood. very tricky for restaurants yeah and folks doing those pop-ups during the pandemic exactly and since my my pop-ups have all been to go i just never branched out really into that and so having the brick and mortar was like it's so exciting for me to be able to do pugliese food now to like show that side of spats. So what you ordered isn't necessarily what Puglia Pre- is. Precisely. Gotcha. So just so we're just st- we don't circle around this, the brick and mortar is soon to be coming in the old Morton spot downtown, so behind Chennai. That you've that is your new space. Yep. Which is Congratulations. Thank you. Pretty amazing. <laughs> what is your timeline on that? Um hoping to be open uh mid November. Okay. Which is coming up. It, it is coming up. Mm-hmm. But the restaurant was in relatively good shape or no? Yeah, it was in good shape. Um, nothing was necessarily wrong with it. It's just the style of the decoration and stuff was... Manly? Yes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. It's wood and... Yeah, dark and... Cigar smell? Yeah, yeah, and like the smell of like meat and just really it looks like a place where like men go to smoke cigars and drink whiskey are you gonna keep the um liquor cabinets yes <laughs> i actually have a really cool idea for them because i so. love those yeah those are so cool i love the like the building has like a bunch of little cool things around it that are very like mortons and we're gonna keep those just as like you know memorabilia but it's a cool spot <laughs> It's 7,000 square feet. 7,800, yeah. So tell me <laughs> how <laughs> that I feels. I black out a little bit. When I, whenever <laughs> you say the number, you're like, Ooh. Yeah. So as I grew up in a restaurant family, mm-hmm. um, my mom was not a restaurateur. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's going to shoot me when I say this. Probably um, gr- great in the kitchen, but... Not not a sh- not a chef. I mean, she's still not a chef. Nobody's a chef in my family. But I mean, like even a cook probably would. She is now, but she wasn't then. Um, our restaurant had forty chairs, and Which it is a nice size. was daunting. Mm-hmm. Like I washed a lot of dishes, a, a two, like a lot. Um, and it even at the time, our professional chef who came in to help us, um, I think there were nights when we were busy that he 
had an uphill. How do you plan on tackling that as a first-time restaurateur? Um, well, my um, initial thoughts going into it was, since it's such a massive space and because um, it's kind of like separated into sections, if you've ever been there, they have a bar that's kind of separate from the dining room and then a private dining room that's separate from the main dining room. So my... I told myself the first course of action because because of COVID, hiring is kind of all over the place and a lot of people in town have been struggling with that. I said, if I could find enough people just to do the dining room my first month or two, I'll be happy with that. I'll be excited. We can make really great food and people will get excited to be there. And then I won't like beat myself up if the bar won't be open immediately if I can't find two or three bartenders and like two servers to have in there. And obviously the private dining room is massive as well. And we could do parties in there and stuff. But I was like, don't worry about that right now. I really want the staff to like get comfortable and feel confident in the food we're putting out because that's the most important thing to me. It's not necessarily about having a full house every night. I really want every dish that we push out of the kitchen to be phenomenal and something that people remember. So for me, it was, you're going to grab this space and it has so much potential, but first and foremost, I really want to just nail the dining room aspect of it, make it like a crazy experience in there, and then later on, move on to the other parts. So mid-November, have you started hiring? Yeah, I've hired a couple people, um, which I'm super excited about. Uh, nothing on paper yet, but they've given me their word, which I'll take. Um, and that's super exciting. Uh, yeah, I might have someone come from Italy to help, who's a really great friend. Nice. And super talented and just makes, like last time I ate at his restaurant was like one of the top meals I've ever had in Italy, so... Really That's excited nice. about that, yeah, to have as a back hand man. Sure. Back of the kitchen. Yeah. When, when did the uh, the switch flip for you that you decided this is what you wanted to do with your life? I mean, how long did you – let me back up. Yeah. Keep that question on ice for a second. When did you first arrive in Richmond? I arrived in Richmond right as the stay-in-place, stay-at-home order started. So. so you are relatively new to town. Yes, about and two and uh, two. Can you share what brought you here? Yeah, um, my partner, my boyfriend, actually got a job here. And okay. so we were like, yeah, let's move. <laughs> and you came from? Miami. Mm -hmm. Heard of that place. It's small. Small town on the coast. Small, yeah. but people go there. Mm -hmm. And were you involved in restaurants in Miami? Um, no, not like this, not to this degree, nothing like this. It was just, honestly, like I grew up cooking, and so I just felt like I could do it, you know? <laughs> So you moved to Richmond as uh, Richmond shuts down, as the country shuts yeah. down. Yeah. What was that like? Honestly, it took me a year and a half to know that people even lived in Richmond <laughs> because when we moved, when we moved here, um, his company actually put us up in Short Pump, and it was a ghost town. We would go to the Short Pump Mall, and obviously there was no the stores were all closed, and we would just walk around there and be like, "Wow, what a nice mall!" It's so sad that nobody lives. It's like here. the Walking Dead, <laughs> just walking around. Literally, and... we would go to the grocery store, and there'd be like four other people in there. It was insane. What a strange experience. It was, and we were like, "Oh, I guess this is just what small town America is." <laughs> 
<laughs> being with Richmond, that small, small city. And you know, um. it's it's so funny because coming from Miami, you look at the amount of people that live in Richmond and then you think like, oh, 200 and something thousand. I guess this is what 200,000 people in a city looks like. But everyone was inside their house. Obviously, Miami has like millions of people and it's massive. So for us, we didn't realize that so many people lived here which is obviously looking back ridiculous <laughs> until like maybe eight months ago when things started like, you know, loosening up a little bit. So short pump, mm-hmm. what did you do for the first part of it? I mean, he was working, I suppose. Yeah, from home. he was working from home. Um, and I was like, oh, we live in an apartment complex and nobody's leaving their houses. I was like, I could start selling lasagnas here. I could sell trays of lasagnas. And he was like, how are you going to approach people? Like, nobody's talking to each other. <laughs> Six feet away yeah. with a mask. I was like, I wow. can make... My initial thought was so ridiculous. I wanted to make flyers and, like, tape them to people's sure. doors. I mean, at that point in the pandemic, everybody was, like, every man for himself. Yeah. I mean, it felt like a don't, different world. Don't touch me. Don't give me any. Thing. I want to yeah. be knit, not near you. Is this to go food? I'll take that. Exactly. And so I was like, oh, I could do that. And then I started doing more research and I started becoming a little bit more like reasonable with what I could actually do. And I saw the pop-up scene was crazy here um, in like this area of town. And I was like, okay, I could do this. Like I could do a pop-up. I could just get a space. Like I could rent someone's restaurant for a day and just do a pop-up out of there. And so I went back. But like, were you were you mm-hmm. bored, or were you? Did you had this like, like passion burning in you that yeah. you wanted to get it out? Or I what was wanted. The- uh, well, we've been making like my family's lasagna recipe is something that we do every holiday. We have it for basically everyone's birthday because my brother demands it. Doesn't matter whose birthday it is. He's <laughs> like, what's happening? This is what we're eating. I don't care what else happens. And so. Um, it was something that we, I always got such an insane reaction from it. Every time someone had it, it was always like, this is the best thing I've ever had. Can you make one for our wedding? Can you make one for our baby shower? And so I was like, okay. Make one for Tuesday. (laughs) Which is what it's like right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I was like, something about this is crazy. And maybe to me, I grew up eating it, so I didn't realize it as much, but when I finally got that reaction from enough people, I was like, okay, Angela, like you have to share this with more people. And so when I moved here, I was like, that's where I wanted to start was with the lasagna. Yeah. And that's like what kind of built the vision. Yeah. Of course. And so Broken Tulip was your yeah. first. So how did you and Sarah Ann get in touch with each other? Um, uh, I forgot who, I think it was Ryan from Hatch. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I went to Hatch and I wanted to know about the pop-up scene because I had seen people were popping up there and um, I had reached out to a few other places in town and then he told me, well, um, because this was right before I had started my Instagram and so I was just feeling out the city because, again, I wasn't, I hadn't Zero moved. population. Exactly. Nobody lives here. <laughs> I was like, how are these pop-ups even surviving? <laughs> They're just popping up. <laughs> no one's No one's there. Any. Yeah. <laughs> Couple photos, then we're going home. Yeah. They only made two things. Literally two. This <laughs> one and that one. And, and that's, that's it. it. Sold out. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Hatch and he started telling me a bunch of places around town that might be open to it. It was a little weird because people were still weird about COVID. Um, as they should have been. And so I approached, um, he told me, oh, ask Sarianne at the Broken Tulip. They started that way and they, I think, would be happy to have someone 
et cetera. And he very nicely in a way told me like, oh, I don't think you have enough following or like the people around you to be able to do this. And I was like, I took it like, okay, that's fair. Um, I'm not from here. I don't know anyone. But I took that like kind of I went home and I immediately was like, oh, I'm doing my Instagram. Like I'm, I'm like a very... It's a nice way I could put that. Competitive? Strong-headed in that way. (laughs) That if someone kind of tells me uh, you're not going to do this like the way that you think you are, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to show you. Now I'm going to do it, actually. (laughs) It may not be the way I think I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) I know someone else like that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to do it. (laughs) You know her. (laughs) No one knows me. And so I kind of just went full force with my Instagram. Um, I was reaching out to people. I was messaging people like, hey, I'm going to do this pop-up, and I would love if you came out. Like, oh, follow me. I'll follow you. And just making friends in town because it was obviously a really weird time when you couldn't meet anyone, like, organically. And so Instagram was the way I connected with everyone. Um, And... I started posting pictures every other day for like a month and a half and my following grew to what I thought was massive. It was maybe like 120 people. That, if there are 120 people that show up, then yeah, that's a massive following. Exactly. Absolutely. And so I was super excited and then I, I got nervous for my first pop-up, but then I, um, I kind of just went to the Broken Tulip. I was like, hey, this is a situation, and I would love to pop up, and I would love to be consistent if you guys would be open to that. And they were closed for two days a week, and they were like, yeah, for sure. If you want to come one day a week, go for it. We'll totally have you. And I was so excited. And then I posted my first menu, and I think it took me like three or four. I don't even remember how many days, but I ended up selling out. And... I was like, oh, my God. How far before the pop-up? Like, how much time did you have to prepare like, mentally? For to So you sold out, let's say, uh, and then how many days to like, actually make the food? And oh, um, I sold the, out. It was like, I don't know how like that works. Five or six days before the pop-up. Um, and then you make the food. Like, you, you think about a capacity of what you can possibly put out because – A lot of people don't know because a lot of places in town are lucky enough to have friends and stuff, but I didn't. So my pop-ups were all me and my boyfriend, who is a computer engineer, putting the pasta in bags. Is he Italian at least? Not at all. He's Cuban. (laughs) Oh, my God. What a mess. Yeah. So it was me making all the food from front to end and then him putting it in the bags, handing it off to customers. And that's how we went for like six, seven months. So you sell out your your menu, then you buy the ingredients, then you make the food. So it's not like the day of shouldn't be that much pressure or is it a lot of pressure the day Um, of? A lot of the things like have to be made day of. Uh, You could prep a lot the day before but a lot of the things require you but you know to it's being, you know how much you have to yes. do you know it's being sold like, exactly it's not like you, got, you don't get a mad rush at like no seven o'clock which i don't think i could have handled like with like i'm but a very in, anxious person but in mid-november you're going to be getting a mad rush at seven o'clock Correct. hopefully but hopefully i'll have enough people on my team that they can <laughs> talk me off the ledge <laughs> you guys could see the smile on her face right now <laughs> It's trial by fire, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a, yeah, gotta jump. It's the mm-hmm. only way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotta get in there and do it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what else get, can you do? Gotta be done. So, yep, sold out, then sold out again. Yeah, every time, every time for almost a year and a half now. I've never not sold out, which has felt like, I mean, if that's not a sign to go for it, I don't know what is. So, yeah, that's that's big. Yeah. <laughs> Besides the lasagna, what else has been your big sellers? 
Um, look at oh, Scott. Scott just literally like a rabbit out of a hole. <laughs> he was like, I'd like to talk about your snacks. <laughs> this is a food podcast, right? Yeah. I mean, but I'm, not, I'm not out of line here, am I? No. Yes, yes, you are. But now he's like, hmm, what's up next? When are you opening? <laughs> Um, basically, honestly, the desserts do really well because I make all my desserts from scratch. So everyone's like obsessed with the desserts, which I understand. Um, Richmond's a big dessert town. Like a lot of bakeries, a lot of, it's a good town for, for desserts. We like our sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, the pasta obviously does amazing. I do fresh pasta sometimes. I do, um... Uh, I do a lot of food from all over Italy for the pop-ups, so everything kind of does well because it's variety. Mm -hmm. I try to mix every pop-up up with, like, some veg dishes, some meat dishes. Um, a few times I've thrown in, like, a tuna dish. But, yeah, I try to um, make it, like, a variety. So there's something for everyone each week. So we've done an, enough of these podcasts where I know not to ask you your <laughs> secret family recipe for your lasagna. <laughs> I know that's poor form. I've had the lasagna. I've also asked her for the recipe. And do you want to know what she did? She ignored my message but left me on red. I don't remember that. <laughs> I'm I do joking. not. I'm totally like, joking. She went, she went Italian on you. Yeah. She just left it on red. It's cool. I would have found a way <laughs> to get, get the message. It. Yeah. It was a pretty, message? She gave me, yeah, it was a good message. All right. So I'm not going to ask you that. If you want to tell us, by all means, but I'm not going to ask you that. I think that you should just go to the restaurant well, no, in November and, and try and figure it, it out yourself. I'll go, but I'm going to figure it out myself. <laughs> My question is, as an at-home uh, cook, person, dinner maker. Do I'm, you cook? I'm a dinner maker. Of course I do. What do you cook? <laughs> well, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> okay. Give me like the one thing that I should keep in mind when making lasagna for my family. Oh, no ricotta. Never. Just don't do oh, it. Oh, man. From your lips to Ryan's ears, he would love that so much. No ricotta cheese. No. Thank so, you for, for, for translating that. For no. Me. I just wanted to <laughs> say it out loud. Okay, French man. I mean, really? No. Ryan loves that there's no ricotta in there. Why is that the number one thing you just shared? Um, I feel like that's the number one ingredient in American lasagna, and there's so much of it. Um, I feel like even if you put seasonings in your ricotta and then put it in the lasagna, it doesn't – I feel like it never adds anything. I feel like it's always clumpy and weird in there. Um, we eat ricotta in southern Italy. It's a, We eat a lot of ricotta, but we eat it just as is. Like it, it comes in like a little cup that's like almost – it has like little indents in it and we literally flip it out on a plate with the water and like just eat it like that with had walnuts. it for breakfast in calabria like yeah. every day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we just eat it like that so for us it's not really something that you would throw in a lasagna i say don't do it because if your sauce is incredible and your pasta is really nicely made you don't want to take away from like those flavors with just a cheese that doesn't have much flavor Next Italian cooking question for you. Yeah. I have this romantic fantasy mm -hmm. of like a Sunday sauce. Okay. Ragu. I guess. Yep. <laughs> Give me the one thing that I need to know about making that. Have time. A yeah. lot of time. And never, ever, 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 ever walk away from the pot long enough for the bottom to burn. Because I have done that and you can't save it. <laughs> There's no saving it. No, no, no. 
See, I feel like for tomatoes, and you tell me if this is true, it's either very quick, the mm-hmm. preparation, or freaking long AF. Absolutely. I was ju- literally mm-hmm. just talking to my boyfriend about this because we have like spaghetti al pomodoro that you can just squish a bunch of cherry tomatoes with some olive oil and like a clove of garlic, and it'll be the best pasta you've ever had in your life. But if you go passata or like a canned tomato or canned tomato sauce, it has to cook for forever or else it's going to be so acidic and people try adding sugar and this and that. It's blasphemous. Don't do it. <laughs> no sugar. I'm learning a lot this, this <laughs> podcast. I'm hoping our, our, our listener is as well. The, the, the length is what starts mm-hmm. to sweeten things, which mm-hmm. is when somebody says to, to me, or in my opinion, because I don't cook pizza, I don't know, when somebody's like, oh, the sauce is sweet, I want to go, Wham! Head up against it. I'm like, no, don't tell me that because then I don't want it. Uh-huh. Super quick tomato sauce on a pizza, easy peasy. Mm-hmm. Super long, just have time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Also, when do you add your herbs? Um, I don't add them until like right before you serve. I don't necessarily love. I honestly, and you know, that's the thing. Um. I don't love putting a bunch of herbs in my tomato sauce, especially I don't like mixing the herbs, but that's maybe a preference thing. Um, Mixing the herbs? Yeah, like if you put um, basil, I wouldn't add like like oregano in there. Um, The thing of Italian seasoning drives me bananas because you would never use like seven different herbs in one sauce. like what? Too much. Why is that a thing? Yeah. I, like I really want to know. There's no. What it, it, why don't? Is there an American seasoning? What would that be? Just yeah. salt and pepper mixed together? Ketchup. Like, like seriously though. Like why is it? Why is it like we're like oh? And when did every herb under the sun mm-hmm. all of a sudden mixed together become, become Italian? Italian? Yeah, advertisers, <laughs> marketing people. You know that's all that is, right? Yes, but like fresh basil with like Someone's beautiful burrata it. is Italian. Yeah, I mean, just throw a few pieces of basil in there, and that's enough. So now that we're two years past your uh, mm. your introduction to Richmond, yeah, and you've hopefully been out a little bit more and met a couple more people. Yes. What are some of the places around town that you and your boyfriend, his name is? No, no, and I got to get specific on this. <laughs> oh. If you are eating Italian food in Richmond before yours. There has to be there has to be one or two places that you find can you can go to. Tell me what those are. Um, I think everything that anyone makes that was part of their family history and what they learned and brought here and made it like them survive here when Italians came here is valid and fair. Sure. It's just not traditional Italian food, which is, you know, that's, that's fine. It's the same with any culture, right? Like the Chinese food we eat right now is not what you'd find in China. It's just different and it's still very valid and I'm sure people love it and it's delicious. And that's why these restaurants are so successful. Um, it's just not my preference. And I feel like I'm going to open a restaurant that is my preference. And I think that you should. What other restaurants have you enjoyed? <laughs> He's going to cut that whole thing out. <laughs> so. um, um, I love the patio tie. Um, they're great. Um, that's downtown. It's been a couple of different yes. things, but it has that gorgeous internal patio. Yes. Um, they have that. They're really great. Um, oh, I love Lily Pearl. Um, Mike Lindsay is a genius. Um, Lily Pearl's great. I love going there. They have a great burger too. If you're not looking for fried chicken, um, where else? A lot of places. Um, are you still yeah. in Short Pump? Or are you downtown? No, now? I'm downtown now. I'm actually moved to the Slip. 
minutes, which is great because I can walk to the restaurant. It's like I'm living my New York dream in Richmond. <laughs> nice. So you're down there where you are, like, are you, you're like very, very close to Shanae? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like I can hear the college kids lining up for $1 rails on weekends. <laughs> very close. I did that. <laughs> Not Last in college week. though. <laughs> Yesterday. Um, <laughs> I actually have a, um, I was a couple weeks ago with an old neighbor and his wife, and they have moved into the building that houses your new restaurant. Oh, really? So they bought a condo in that building, and they're like over the moon stoked that they're, and they are from New York. Oh, nice. So Italian restaurant is like, Good idea. Yeah. He is Italian. Amazing. Um, and so they're just thrilled that that's oh, coming in. That's so exciting. And I think that the most exciting thing is the bar, though. Yeah. Well, for me. Anyway, no, I'm joking. Me as well. <laughs> we talked about the menu a little bit. Yeah. Have you thought about, I know you've thought about it, are you able to share the price points that you're looking at? Um, I want it to be um, across, I mean, I mean, not to... Is it going to be fine dining? Is it going to be, it's going to be family? Is it like, what's the vibe you're, look, you're going for? I'm looking for um, like fine dining type of food. I want it to feel elevated and really um, like special. I don't want it to feel like an Olive Garden or Cheesecake Factory. I want it also to be a place where um, you come and you're comfortable I know that there's another Italian place in town, which I've heard is amazing. I haven't gone yet. Um, But my friend went and she said the only thing about that place, even though the food is great, is that it feels a little shishi. So you feel kind of like uptight when you're there. You don't get a chance to like, like let loose and relax. And that's not the vibe that I want for my restaurant. And I know that that happens a lot with white tablecloths. In this country specifically, people see a white tablecloth and immediately think it's like um, a very fancy place that's like an occasion dinner that you can only go for a graduation or anniversary. And in Italy, a white tablecloth is standard. Um, so I want it to be a place where you go and have an like amazing, a phenomenal meal. But I want it to be a place where you can also go and you don't feel uncomfortable hanging out for two and a half hours and drinking four bottles of wine. And getting a little loud. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I actually um, love the idea of being able to relax. I actually enjoy, Joe, we just recently were in Italy and we got really loud in a lot of places <laughs> and it nobody even yeah, cared. At all. Nope, not even a little. If you can only imagine Ryan after four bottles of wine, <laughs> he's just louder than ever. At the table. Yeah, yeah. okay. I mean, it was right there. That's out. standard. Mm-hmm. Just easy. Just roll them over to get another bottle. You also mentioned <laughs> that you have a friend in Italy. You might be coming over to help. Yeah. Is your family in Italy coming over to help? Do you still have family in Italy? Yeah, all my family really? is in Italy. The only ones that are here is me, my dad, my mom, and my brother. Everyone else is over there. So. Okay. Are they going to be able to come over, you think? Um, I would love to have my nonna come. She's getting a little older, so she might take some convincing. What's she's, her name? Angela. <laughs> yeah. In in like where I'm from in Italy, you name the Angela. Yeah, everyone names their child after like if you're the son in the family, you name your first daughter and first son after your mom and your dad. So my brother's name is my grandfather's name. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Which um, is what? 
Sergio. Mm-hmm. So Sergio and Angela are my grandparents' names. Yeah, and then we got named that, and my brother is hoping to name his. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Scott has more important things to do than um, than uh, talk to us. Talk needs to, yeah, he's got to talk. Understand. He's got to. He's got to go and Speaking do the things. Oh, uh, really? Facetime. From the mom? She hit the wrong button, I'm sure. You think so? I think Absolutely. she wants to talk. 100%. I think she wants to talk about pasta. I mean, that might be true too. All right, so if I'm coming to your restaurant in November, because that's when I'll be there, <laughs> what what do I order? Ooh, um, I'm hoping to have fresh mozzarella, so I would definitely do that. Or burrata, because I'm working on that one. That one's a little bit more tricky. Um so I would definitely order something of that nature as an appetizer. Definitely something seafood. If you're coming, if you like seafood. A lot of people don't, which is strange to me. But definitely maybe the spaghetti with the um, sea urchin, if that's on the menu. If I find a really nice one that I like. Um, and then always get dessert. <laughs> Always. It's perfect. <laughs> You're listening to Eat of Virginia with Roby Martin, Scott Wise, and Angela Petrozelli. That was fun. Yeah. I'm so happy she shared those uh, family secrets with me on the lasagna recipe and, and, how, to, and how, to, how to do it perfectly. Get away from the ricotta. Step away from the ricotta. That's exactly right. Hopefully we'll get a official opening date here in the, in the coming days and, and we can enjoy her, uh, her food here in, in the coming weeks. That'd be, that'd be so amazing. Scott. Ruby. I have a real, real cool thing to share with you. Okay, can, can everyone else listen to or is it just, with, just <laughs> for me? <laughs> They're gonna have to. So in October of 2017, Joe's did something incredibly stupid. Joe's <laughs> Yes. What do they do that was stupid, Ruby? Okay, so I've been eating the French fries, the shoestring French fries at Joe's Inn since I moved to Richmond. And, like, life events happen with these French fries. And I don't think I'm the only one that has this affinity for them and how good they are. Will they change them? Yeah, in 2017, that's how much this scarred me. They changed them. Well, I'm happy to report that it's only been five years and they have changed them back. Oh, okay. You're so you're so powerful. You're such a powerful voice that uh, yeah. you, you, you can five years of how much five power years. I wield. <laughs> yes. Like five years of power I'm wielding for for French fries. Do you um, have the Do you have the, the the lowdown there? Do you know why they switched back? They Their say story? the only thing I know is they say that they finally found a French fry that they feel is as good as the other ones. All right, but it is a Big, big deal in Richmond. I probably got tagged, a, I mean, a, not a million times, but it sure felt like a million because everybody knows that I'm like, rats, where are the good French fries? When I, when I, lived, in the, when I lived in the fan, uh, back in the old good French fries days, that was like my go-to breakfast. Walk to Joe's Inn, get an omelet with a side of fries. That's, that's what oh. I mean. Yeah, you, man, you're speaking my language. Oh, that just gave me chills. Speaking of fried food, yes, I have got to talk about this bloomin' onion from Jardin. Okay, Jardin, Harden, War—I don't Warden. You know what I'm talking about? They I do. Donnie's place. Mm-hmm. So, what about it? You, you clearly know what a bloomin' onion is. Yeah, from uh, from the steakhouse Outback. Yes. No rules, just right. 
Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Um, they made like a, they did a riff on one homemade at Jardin. And I've decided that I feel like that is my favorite thing that a chef can do. Is a blooming onion? Because the one at, at Outback's like feeds the table. Did you eat a table's worth of onion that day? No, we did one small onion between Ryan and I. Okay. Um, and it was really effing good. And I love that they're like, oh, we don't take ourselves that seriously. And we really like this one. So I'm hoping the next thing is all you can eat breadsticks and salad. Hospitaliano. <laughs> yes, there it is. This episode of Eat It Virginia. Eat it, Virginia? <laughs> this episode of Eat It, Virginia? <laughs> no! Oh, God, no.